And we're back with another team prediction preview and profile. God, these are the best. I love talking about each team. We actually get to highlight things about teams that we might not normally talk about. And today we're kicking it from the two and three spot in the National League East last year. We're going to kick it off with the Philadelphia Phillies. How are we doing today, boys? Doing good. This is a team I am waiting to talk about. Stevs, how are you doing? Uh, definitely going to be better than the Marlins this year. Um <laughs> If you missed our, our Marlins projection, we posted that on, I believe, Tuesday. So go check that out before you watch the rest of this episode. Yeah, so Phillies last year, uh, I think they they kind of did exactly what we expected them to do if they actually made the postseason. And they, they snuck into the wild card spot, and they made it to the World Series. Uh, Bryce Harper had his legendary postseason run. Aaron Nola had a top five Cy Young season, as he should, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, and Nick Castellanos didn't produce a single thing. Like he, he, he was bad. Uh, and Tom, he talked us. Oh, Steph, sorry, we don't need a repeat yes. of the Marlins episode. Hey, Steph, Steph, Steph right. talk us through um, the offseason moves. <laughs> so let's talk about all the people that they ended up losing. So they lost Zach Eflin, Kyle Gibson, David Robertson, Noah Syndergaard, uh, Corey Knebel, Brad Hand, and Gene Segura. And then they oh, Matt... Gene. <laughs> we talked about. Uh, Gene, and then though. they said. Then they sent Matt Veerling, Nick Maton, and Donnie Sands to Detroit in exchange for Gregory Soto and Cody Clemens. So that was their big trade this offseason. Definitely a good trade. Um, they picked up Aaron Nola's club option. Uh, and then, obviously, their major, major signing this offseason was Trey Turner to a a monster 11-year, $300 million contract. Um, they went out, signed some arms, and Matt Stram, Taiwan Walker, and Craig Kimbrell. And then they went and got Josh Harrison as kind of a depth piece. All right, Tom, biggest loss. What? Biggest loss, like out. By oh, way. oh, their biggest loss. I, I mean, so there's a couple of guys on the list, obviously, but I think Matt Veerling will become a good player in Detroit. I think there's a lot of upside in this guy, and I think they gave him away for Gregory Soto. Obviously, that's going to be a good move. They needed to aid the bullpen. But I think Matt Veerling is a player with a lot of upside that will succeed in Detroit. Fair enough. Stabs, what stands out to you here? I mean, from established players, I mean, I think it's got to be Gene Segura. But then you go out and you sign a guy like Trey Turner and Josh Harrison is kind of a depth piece. And that kind of makes up for it um, by a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I feel know. like the I scales are pretty balanced. You, get, you, <laughs> yeah. you got Gene, you got Trey Turner. One, you have to like, pay. Yeah, you're Segura paying one has, 18 has million, cake, you're paying so. one 300 million. Like, let's be honest here. <laughs> um, yeah. But I definitely agree with Tom's Matt Veerling point. I also think Nick Mason is going to be pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the biggest one that stood out to me was David Robertson, uh, quality reliever established for a while. Uh, he did have to get paid a considerable chunk of change to go to the Mets, which you might hear about in a little bit. You will, because we're talking about them today as well. Uh, unsurprisingly, they picked up Aaron Nola's club option. And I think they're going to try and ex- you have to do everything you can to extend him during the season. Um I mean, yeah, I think they overpaid Taiwan Walker four years, 72 million. It's a little bit of cheese for someone who isn't that great. I mean, yeah, he fits in that he fits in that that rotation as a number four guy. It's it's what you expect in a number four spot. He has he doesn't he's very consistent. He's not consistently great, uh, but he's there, you know. he's he's Taiwan Walker. I mean, on fan graphs, he's their starting pitcher three. Yeah. Um 
I might have made a, made an amendment to that when I put our rotation that, that's down. That's fair, but yeah. Um, and they picked up Craig Kimbrell for ten million dollars. I don't understand this one. Having been through the Craig Kimbrell experience last year, like first we had Jansen in LA, and then Craig Kimbrell, and I missed Kenley Jansen dearly. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, I think I don't. He got ten million solely on his name. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't good last year. Pretty pretty much by any stretch of the imagination, he wasn't good last year. I mean, I think in Philadelphia, he'll have kind of more opportunities and less pressure, so maybe that'll help him in some way. But he's definitely not going to be the the closer. They got Jose Alvarado, and uh, and they went out and got Gregory Soto. So he'll definitely he's definitely not their end all be all closer. But he is definitely going to be a integral part in the in the in this uh, bullpen. I mean, I think we're forgetting their biggest weapon of Sir Anthony Dominguez. But I kind of like how they utilize, like how any team utilizes their best bullpen arms besides the Padres in the postseason is they just deploy them at the highest point, like the most important point of the game. I kind of hope they use Sir Anthony Dominguez like that this coming year. I think it'd be really beneficial to them. So on top of Dominguez, Alvarado, Kimbrel Soto, they've also got Andrew Bellotti, Matt Stram, which I was just mentioned they signed, Connor Brogdon, and Nick Nelson. It's a... As far as Philly bullpens go, it's really not that bad. And, like, overall bullpens, it's really not that bad. It's a very, like, upper middle of the pack. I'd probably put it 10 to 15 in the league. I definitely agree. I, I, I it, There's a lot of depth in here. And, the like, it well, it kind of drops off a little bit. But it's definitely a, a well-rounded uh, bullpen. Yeah, I mean, you got two lefty weapons in the bullpen that are both at that elite level. I mean, Jose Alvarado and Gregory Soto are both – elite relievers not like a top of the pack but they are both above average well above average and they're left-handers which is very useful in a bullpen like this i think they were also they produced the most 100 mile an hour fastballs of all left-handers in baseball and now they're in the same bullpen uh and i think that's actually going to benefit matt stram even better because it's going to be a very different look from the left side say you get sixth inning of gregory soto and seventh inning of matt stram like it's a very different look yeah, 100%. I think there's a lot of deception in the bullpen, and I think that might make them even better this season. Yeah, I, I want to see how Matt Stram did last year. I think he was in Boston, and I feel like last year, we're going to talk about Boston for one very quick second. Everything that happened there just disappeared into the void. Anyways, um, I think that he and Philadelphia could really benefit. Uh, he kind of fits into their whole horizontal movement type team. Uh, so maybe he'll benefit and hopefully the infield defense isn't horrible. Uh, we've also a thing with the Phillies last year that we joked that they would form one of the worst defenses of all time. And I don't actually think it ended up being the worst defense in the league. In all honesty, I might be wrong about that, but Uh, I I mean, mean, there were, they, they made the move to get Brandon Marsh that boosted their offense. I mean, their defense like ever so slightly. I think that that raised them above last place. Maybe. They're still very bad, though, in the field. I think there's a lot of improvement. That they were team. ranked 29th. Yep, oh, that's what I said. They were moved at one. Who, who was 30th? Was the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the Phillies defense might have gotten a little bit better this offseason. Uh, Tom, what's that lineup going to look like every day? All right, so batting first, Trey Turner. Um, that is a pretty nice leadoff uh, bat in the lineup. I know, Stavs, you're smiling. Uh, you're gonna have to face him a couple times though. Uh, batting second, Kyle Schwarber, power bat. Um, he's he's an anomaly, man. He's going to hit nukes though. Um, number three, Reese Hoskins at first base, another power bat. There's so many power bats in this lineup. 
Uh, number four, we got JT Romuto, one of the best catchers, the best catcher in baseball, I think, yeah. right now. Uh, batting fifth is Nick Castellanos, who is looking to have a bounce back season. Uh, obviously, one of the best hit tools in baseball in the past couple seasons before last. Uh, we're hoping he bounces back. Uh, batting sixth, it would be Bryce Harper, but uh, for the first oh. half of the season, it's going to be Derek Hall. Harper would probably slot in to like four. Harper four. would be earlier, but he I will like the- be. He, he's going to come back as the DH, I think, is more. Yeah. Most likely, yeah. I think uh, Har- that, yeah. Harper will probably hit like fourth. Real Mudo goes to third and Hoskins maybe fifth. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you, also have to, you also have to see Reese Hoskins to Nick Castellanos. If Castellanos can have a be- bounce back here and Reese Hoskins kind of flames out like the streaky hitter that he is, then. Fair enough. All right, moving on to number seven in the lineup, we got Alec Bohm, who I really think will become a will will have an offensive breakout this season. He's already had an offensive breakout. I think he will break out even further. I think he's got a lot of upside. Uh, batting eighth, Bryson Stott, a uh, really big prospect, finally coming up. Well, he's been up, but he's going to show that he deserves to be up. And then batting ninth, Brandon Marsh, who seemingly turned it around last season when he got moved to the Phillies. That's the uh, leaving Anaheim effect, I guess. Uh, but he really broke out offensively in that second half of the season. Uh, the bench is a little bit lackluster in Garrett Stubbs, Josh Harrison, Edmundo Sosa, and Dalton Guthrie. Is Edmundo Sosa, Sosa the guy who threw the ball? Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> just that... dome the umpire. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the only reason I know his name. But <laughs> I was putting, I was writing that down on the sheet, and I was like, he's definitely the guy that just spun around and domed the umpire. Yeah, uh, that's why he's a Philly now. He fits into that defense. Yeah, I I just. I'm not sure how I feel about this depth on the bench. If one of these guys get injured, I don't know who's going to replace them. You know, the the, the bench is below average, I would say. That's how I also feel about their starting rotation. Like, it's Nola Wheeler. That's great. Ranger and Suarez can be pretty good. Tywan Walker, they're paying him to be a three or four. And then Bailey Falter. Bailey Falter is like... What happens, what happens if he falters? Um <laughs> Uh, sorry. You, you uh, gotta think. You gotta think they might call it Micah Bell midway through the season, right? You think they uh, might make the move? I don't know if it's gonna be Micah Bell or Andrew Painter. Painter's so young. I mean, has he has he crossed Double A yet? He dominated in Double A at the okay, end of last yeah. year. I would love to see Painter in the pros, but I think Micah Bell is a little bit more pro ready just because he's been in that the higher minors for a little longer. Yeah, um, but someone's gonna have to replace that starting pitcher five. Uh, Brady Falter is—I mean, Bailey Falter is going to falter eventually. So I think that number five spot is going to be open for, for those young guys. Yeah, and I'm fine. Micah Bell's only been in the minor leagues for two years. He's also 21. Is he really? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, last year he didn't pitch great in single A. He actually pitched better in double A, but he only had 23 game sample size. So I think him and Painter will probably be teammates to start the year, if not Painter starting in triple A. Um with the Phillies rotation right now, like we know Aaron Nola is very, very good. He's also entering a contract year. Uh potential spoiler, I might have him in my Cy Young conversation. Uh lo- love me some Aaron Nola. Zach Wheeler is just a question of health. In all honesty, if he's healthy, he's very, very good. Uh, top 10 pitcher in baseball in my eyes, if he's healthy. Um, we, we had this conversation, Tom. <laughs> and Ranger Suarez actually like looked elite in the postseason. He's a great defensive pitcher. It's just, can he do it again? Like, And can he improve on his margins from 2022? I mean... In a guy like Ranger Suarez, you don't really need him to like improve drastically. I think he's kind of been... 
pretty consistent uh, throughout the last two seasons. I know two seasons ago was a little bit better than last season, but even then, last season was pretty good for him. And you need a good lefty in your bolt in your rotation. Obviously, twenty twenty one was was incredible though. I think that was one of the best seasons. Well, that was his best season by far. Mm. But all he has to do is he doesn't have to replicate that. He has to replicate what he did last season. He needs to fill the role of a starting pitcher three. Yeah, I mean, any any improvement for the Phillies would be good. Uh, let's not let's not ignore that. Um, and I do agree though. Like one of those guys gets hurt, the starting pitchers, it goes to Bailey Falter, Andrew Painter, Mick Bell, which might not be bad. It is just like you might want to have a a proven guy in your bullpen that can come in, start throw four innings if needed. It might be a blessing in disguise to get one of the young guys up, but yeah. I think I think health is the number one priority for him. Yeah, and like the reason we're so high on Andrew Painter, like he's 19 and he's sitting 96 to 98 and topping 100. Um, and from what he did in 2022, he can go six innings and he doesn't dip below 95 miles an hour. That, that's pretty good. That's pretty good in my eyes. Uh, 70 grade fastball with good command. The only like red flag that people have seen is like when he releases the the fastball, it's something from such a high release point that you can kind of tell when the breaking ball is coming out of his hand, making it a bit easier to spit on or sit on. As we saw in spring training, Kyle Schwarber hit one of his uh, breaking balls onto the freeway. So maybe there's some polishing that needs to do there. But then again, he is 19 years old. Uh, I mean, so is there anything you wanted to talk about with the Phillies? I mean, I think you guys have pretty much covered everything. I think for as far as like, because a lot in, in the last episode we talked about the Marlins, they really kind of needed a couple like breakouts. I think you really need Nick Castellanos to come back and um, be some semblance of 2021. He needs to at least, you know, hit home runs and hit the ball at a high clip. And he was not doing that last year. Um, I think they kind of figured out his um, defensive woes or made them a little more manageable trying to get him to go to his glove style a little more than to his, to his offhand. Um, but I think, I think definitely you need some semblance of a, a better year from Nick Cassianos in, in 2023. Yeah. There, there is just nothing there. There is nothing good about his season last year. And that's being generous. Like he was one of the worst hitters in all of baseball and his fielding, just pulling it up negative 10 outs above average. That's uh more outs below average it's a significant uh, amount of yeah. outs below average he's in the second percentile he's slow actually he's not slow that's it he doesn't have a good arm he whiffed a ton he had, he had a really high chase rate and it was just a huge regression then again he did leave citizen or not citizens bank he went to citizens bank he left great american and obviously it's a hitter friendly ballpark but even then, even when he was in Detroit, even when he was in Chicago, like he was still a very good hitter. So maybe it's just an adjustment. I, I think that's what it is. I think it'll take an, it's, it was a year as an adjustment. How do you play in the playoffs? Was he any significantly better? He had playoffs? one hit against the Braves. I think that might have actually been his only hit. He actually did like save the entire World Series defensively. But other than that, which is actually ironic because you 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 bought him out for his bet, but he saved you in the playoffs with his glove. Um, I don't doubt that Nick Castellanos will be back. This is a guy for his career who has always been in the 90th or above percentile for nearly every hitting stat. He's one of the best, like pure hitters we've, we've seen, um, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, he's kind of like a hobby bias type guy strikes out a ton, doesn't walk a lot, but has a good hit tool. And that might be, that might be the reason he's burning out right now is because 
if he's not relying on his hit tool, he cannot walk or any of strikes out a ton. He's not getting on base. But I think he has potential. I think he's going to come back. He's not that old. How old is he? Like 30-something? 30 31. He is 30. Yeah, he's so he, he's he, he's going to be all right. Um, He's going to come back next year. He he has the tools. He just has to work on his plate discipline. He has a very immature uh, approach at the plate for a 30-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he does have a good interview, though. Um, Stez, can you kick us, kick us off with our predictions and everything? So I've had, I had a little bit trouble coming with coming up with a breakout for this. So when I get there, I'll probably kind of flip flop back and forth between the two guys that I had. But standings wise, third in the East, uh, ninety and seventy two record. Um, couple what that's like three wins more than they had last year. Um, MVP obviously I went with um I I think it, it would be Bryce, but again he's not going to be back until about the All Star break, and he's only going to be their DH until at best probably the postseason. Um, but I went with Trey Turner. Um, he's kind of going to be their focal point. He's their star, uh, in the field until, and on the batting side of the ball until Bryce does come back. Um, Cy Young, obviously we've talked about him a bunch. Aaron Nola. Um, I like Nola better than Wheeler. Um, he checks all the boxes that you want. He's in a contract year and that's really only going to elevate it. It's, there's one of two ways you can look at it. He's either going to elevate his performance or drop off a clip. Um, but Aaron Nola will most likely elevate his performance. Um, breakout players, it was for me, it was either Alec Bohm or Bryson Stott. Um, Bohm, it would just be more of a defensive uh, improvement or breakout. Um, he, if he gets to about league average defense or maybe a clip under, um, he was negative nine outs above average last year, so maybe like negative two to one. Um, that would be a extremely like a quote unquote breakout for him. But I went, I ended up going with Bryson Stott. Um, He's young, really has um, has, has no pressure on him in this lineup. I think he, he'll definitely um, ha- take that opportunity and just kind of go um, – he'll just kind of go and keep uh, performing at a high level. Uh, and the most important, I went just kind of with their bullpen. Um, you went out, you got guys like Gregory Soto, Craig Kimbrell, guys that we've talked about, um, and they also have their established pieces in Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think – having them all come together and being a coherent bullpen is very necessary. Um, I'm, I'm almost right with you. With all yeah, right, go ahead. yeah. I mean like, so, so like we, on this podcast, we like having hot takes, you know, you like being out there. You like being right about these things. You like being different, but the Phillies are pretty obvious for most of these things. I had the exact same projected record. I had the exact same MVP uh, for most important player, I had Bryce Harper upon return just because when Bryce Harper's playing on the Phillies, the Phillies are so much better. Um, and that's pretty obvious. Cy Young, same thing, Aaron Nola. Uh, my breakout, instead of being between Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott, was between Alec Bohm and Brendan Marsh. I think Brendan Marsh will have a breakout next year. Um, you saw when he got traded. I can look at his splits while right now, it actually. It, um, it was very good when he got moved. And you already know he's established himself as a really good defender in the outfield. So if he can just get even an ounce of hitting in him, he will be a star on this team. And I don't think he's going to be one of the biggest difference makers offensively because there are so many offensive difference makers in this lineup. Um, but I think if he can at least get somewhere offensively, he will he will be that breakout player for them. Interesting. Uh, so I was a little bit lower on the record. I literally have him with the exact same record as last year, 87 and 75. Um, I think that, there is kind of there's just an ounce of failure to this team. It's the Phillies, after all. Uh, the bullpen yeah. can regress. 
the starting rotation cannot have depth. The defense could be horrible. I mean, we know the upper part of that lineup is going to be pretty good, but let's say like there's just not as much production as we want from six through nine in that lineup. Like it's going to hurt a little bit. And I, for that, it's 87 and 75. Again, not a bad record. I think does that put him in my postseason. Uh, one, two, three. I th- yeah, it gets him into my, in the postseason. I think I have a very similar postseason format to last year. It's just, I think the Phillies, they improved, but I feel like they're covering holes right now and missing Harper is going to hurt a lot. I had Trey Turner as my MVP. I had Aaron Nola as my Cy Young. I had Bryson Stott as my breakout. Uh, but I actually put my most important as either Trey Turner or JT Romuto because they need someone to step up and be the star of the team. Not that those guys aren't, but while Harper's gone, they need to be the MVP player. And while Harper's gone, they are the most important to keeping this team going and having a shot at the postseason. And so lastly, ceiling, floor, and volatility. I'd like to kick off with volatility of very high. I think this team could be pretty good. Like a couple wins better than you guys, you're 90 and 72, but they could also be borderline a 500 team if things go poorly. Um, I think on my volatility scale, it's a little bit lower. I think just because, I mean, you have so many guys on this team that you, that they picked up and they have so many different like like difference makers that you need everything to go wrong. And that is unlikely because all these guys are established. This is kind of, this isn't like a young team either. They, they're, they, they're a pretty established older team. Um, and I, I just don't see them dropping off the face of the planet. I see them having the potential to maybe win the East, like in like a, in like a, like a everything clicks situation, but that, that volatility only goes up. Like it, I don't think they're, they're going to fall much lower than they did last year. For me, I, I can't put them at like very high because they're not as the volatility is not as high as the Marlins. Um, and that's, I think where we had them at. Um, I think, I definitely think there is the opportunity. If some injuries happen, Cassianos doesn't see any improvements. Boehm sees no improvements defensively. Brandon Marsh doesn't have that type of um, step forward offensively. Schwarber regresses. Reese Hoskins is cold for the large majority of the season. I just, I don't see all of those things happening. I think, I think some of them will. So I think it's, it's that it is high, but not like very high. Medium high. Medium high. Yes. Yes. All right. So for the ceiling, I was feeling like 92, 93 wins. I think there's like, if things go right and this team plays to what they can be, it's a very good team. I think it's a 93 win team at best. It's just, they happen to be playing in the national league East. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, very it's a very i think it's a it's a high ceiling and i i don't for the floor you said like 500 i don't think 500 i think they're like probably around the 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 marlin ceiling at like 85 wins tom how do you feel so, about that i mean so i think their ceiling is right about 95 wins um Obviously, that's if everything goes right, and also everything goes wrong for the other teams in the East because they're also going to be competing against those other teams. I find it highly unlikely that three teams in the NL East win 95-plus games. So, obviously, if one's going to succeed, the rest are going to falter. Um, Bailey? So, huh? Bailey? Bailey falter. Yep, this is a reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I don't know. This is such a tough division to play in. And if they were in like say AL Central or like and any other Central actually the NL the this yeah the mid, um they would have a much better record. But I I just 
in this division, it's it's so tough to win. And I think ninety three and uh, ninety five has to be their 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 absolute peak. Peak. Sorry. Um, I think that's fair. I'm just I'm looking back their at their record over the past couple of seasons. In twenty nineteen, they went eighty one and eighty one. In twenty twenty one, they went eighty two and eighty. And then this year they went eighty seven and sixty five or eighty seven and seventy five. I think I I, I kind of agree with the ninety three ninety two win ceiling. It's just I feel like there's a floor and we've seen the floor. Maybe it's a couple wins better than eighty two wins, like eighty three eighty four. But I'd say I that's that's the highest I'd put the low. That makes I, sense. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the. Uh, I'll put the the low. Yeah, okay. English good. Eighty three and seventy nine. Okay, good. All right. So that wraps up our Phillies projection, and we're gonna hop into the other team here in the National League East. There we go. English. I struggled there. Uh, the second place team last year, the New York Mets. They did actually tie the Atlanta Braves. They just had the the tiebreaker bad. Um, so the Braves ended up winning, and we'll talk about the Braves on the next episode. Uh, after our world baseball classic preview so the new york mets last year uh they didn't met they didn't mess it up uh that was a first until the postseason they went 101 and 61 and they lost to the padres in the wild card series uh i think it was actually like finally a good Mets season i definitely agree with that i i like the Mets season last year and i really like their off season so i think all signs point to an improvement yeah, I mean, this is like, I think every move that they made in the offseason, just, I mean, I, I think they might be the best team in baseball. They have they have the ceiling of being the best team in baseball. I think we can all agree. I, they have a pretty low floor because they are the Mets. They do that. They do the thing. Um, <laughs> but we also, go Mets. we also we also have to keep in mind, they were in first place in the East the entire year last year. And, and then they lost it like the last day of the season. Um, so given this new lineup, I don't see why they don't run the East the whole season again and then lose it at the end because they're going to met again. They're going to do something like the Mets, but I feel like they might be shifting that identity here because this is like a new look Mets. This is a very good Mets team. Um, yeah, yeah, Brad, go ahead. Uh, I mean, as you said, the Mets could be one of the best teams in baseball and they could also Mets it up. They are, they're honestly running out of very similar to the lineup to last season uh, in the off season. They were something something active. We might describe them as that. Uh, they lost Jacob DeGrom. They lost Chris Bassett. They lost Taiwan Walker. There's three-fifths of their starting rotation right there. They lost Seth Lugo. They lost Trevor Williams to Stev's Nationals. Oh. Uh, and then Trevor May went to Oakland. And they they dealt James McCann. You remember two years ago when they signed a catcher and everyone's like, woohoo, and it was four years, 40 million. But yeah, he's on Baltimore now. Uh, and they're still paying, I think, 75% of that contract. Uh, and then... They made 8,000 moves. Uh, they did have one under the category of in and out. His name is Carlos Correa. If you, you guys aren't familiar. He had quite the offseason for himself. I think he made himself 800 million. He's only going to make uh, 200 some odd million of that. Yeah, uh, they didn't get him. Uh, they re-signed Brandon Nimmo, eight years, 162 million. They re-signed Adam Adovino, two years, 14 million. And the biggest reliever contract in history they re-signed Edwin Diaz for five years, 102 million. Stevs, what other moves did they make? 
So they went out and they signed the uh, Japanese import Kodai Senga to a five-year, $75 million deal. He's definitely going to help aid their starting rotation a ton. Um, they went out, got Jose Quintana, adds more depth to that rotation. David Robertson has the bullpen. We talked about him a little bit um, when we were talking about the Phillies. Um, went out, obviously, they got Justin Verlander. He is going to be their ace. He's coming off a Cy Young season. Um, left-hand pitcher Brooks Rally uh, comes in from Tampa Bay. Omer Narvaez, two-year, $50 million deal. And then they extend Jeff McNeil, Juf McFloof, to a four-year, $50 million deal. All right. Where the hell does Juf McFloof come from? Am I, like, missing that's, something? It's an inside joke, and no one it, knows it, about it. <laughs> I don't know Tom, what happened. Tom, Tom, Tom and I just one day started calling him Juf McFloof because he did something. He did like he made, like, an error against the Nats or something, and we were like, yeah, that's Juf McFloof. I don't. I don't remember that. I just remember. I remember Ryan saying something. I. I don't know. It's. It's a long. Story. It might have been Ryan. Okay, but not. Uh, so all around, they went out. They got. They got a lot of pieces. So we. T- Brad talked about their starting rotation. They lost to Grom, Walker, and Bassett. But then you go out and you get the reigning Cy Young, uh, Justin Verlander. Obviously, he's older, but in the past two seasons that he's played, he's a back-to-back Cy Young winner. Um, go out gets Kodai Senga. Younger, probably better than Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett. Um, but again, we still need to see him prove it in in, in the major leagues, um, not just uh, out in Japan. And, and then they went and signed Jose Quintana, who had himself a respectable year last year. And what do you what do you what do you think about the rotations, Tom? Um, so we always have this volatility rating, right? I mean, for everything, I think this rotation has the highest volatility because you have Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. Jose Quintana and Carlos Carrasco, who are all on the older side, where they're all very good. This is the best rotation in baseball, one of the best rotations in baseball, if not the best, if they're healthy. Um, that's a big question for this team now because this rotation is all on the older side. And then you got Kodai Senga, who has the volatility for a different reason because he's coming from Japan where he's a superstar. Um, will he perform at the same level in the MLB? That's another question. So this bullpen could either be the best or it could be completely mediocre so I, I don't know what you guys think about that what do you guys think about that um i think that kodai Senga is actually going to succeed because he's bringing that ghost fork ball the the fancy thing um and it's going to be unique i think it's going to be really difficult i think they have to manage how much he uses it um but max scherzer concern injury bad uh justin verlander also old i think again they can hit their ceiling and they could be a very 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 good team they could also all get injured because four of their five starting pitches are 34 years old or older. And Kodai Senga himself is 30. So I definitely think the Mets have a very, very small window to get this, uh, get a championship. Like they have pretty much until Verlander's contracts up in my opinion. With Steve Cohen as your owner, you have infinite time because you can just keep spending money. But, but I do agree the the starting rotation has a short window just because of their age. I think I, – I, with that being said, though, I think their starting rotation is going to be fantastic. Justin Verlander reigning Cy Young. Max Scherzer was on that pace until he got injured. You know, these guys are going to be good if they're on the field. It's just a matter of whether they're on the field. Um, but moving into their starting lineup, um, obviously you have the best leadoff hitter in all of baseball in Brennan Nimmo. And batting second, you got Starling Marte, another good contact bat. Number three, arguably one of the best shortstops in baseball, Francisco Lindor. Uh, batting fourth, you have Pete Alonso, one of the best RBI, Pete. one of the best RBI threats in all of baseball. Uh, number fifth, 
the betting 50 of Jeff McNeil. I didn't want to say Jeff McFloof. Sorry, Steph. Um, number six, cells. number six, you have the greatest hitter in all of baseball and uh, Danny Burgers, Daniel Vogelback. Uh, batting seventh, you got Mark Canna, who is Brad. Mark Canna. Is he Canna? Oh, my gosh. It, Brad loves Mark Canna. Um, underrated bat in the lineup. And then batting eighth, you got switch hitting Eduardo Escobar. And then the new catcher on, our, on their team is Omar Navarez, batting ninth. Yes, I um, I think this is a good lineup. I this is this is a there's no one on this lineup that has to you know prove it. They've all they've all been. This is the exact same lineup as last year, besides Omar Narvaez. That's what I'm saying. There's no one on this lineup that has to like that has to like be like who are you gonna pick as a breakout player on this team when everyone on this team has already broken out? They're all good. Like there's no weak spots on the lineup. I will say, um, their bench is a little bit uh, lackluster. Thomas Nito. Uh, Darren Ruff, who was atrocious when he got traded because he left the Giants. There's a curse on him. Uh, Luis Guillorme, who I think is severely underrated. I think he will be good. And then there's obviously Tommy Pham, who is like – he likes slapping people in the face. <laughs> uh, uh, to your to your Darren Ruff point, Tommy, he played like 28 games with the, nice. with the Mets. So that's not really a good sample size compared to literally playing all of 2020 and 2021 with the – and – no, it was 2021 and most of 2022 with the Giants. So I'm I ready mean, to make the take. Darren Ruff definitely could make your some like could could come back to form of what he was in San Francisco, but I honestly don't see it. But it is definitely not the worst bench we've ever seen, but it's not anything to write home about at any stretch of imagination. Yeah, I think that this line, like Brandon Nimmo, as Tom said, best leadoff hitter in baseball. He's going to give you a great at bat. He's going to walk and then sprint down to first base. Uh, Starling Marte, we need to see a bit of recovery. He just got injured at the end of last year. Lindor, just let him do his thing. Big meat, Pete. Uh, one of the best power threats in baseball, and he's proven that his rookie year wasn't just a fluke. Like he wasn't just some chip off the old block power hitter for a year. He's actually done it for three years now, excluding 2020. Jeff McNeil, but didn't he win? No, he was second in the batting title in the National League behind Freddie Freeman. Yes, sir. And then Danny Burgers, power threat galore. I, it's a it's a solid lineup, and they have reinforcements coming in from the minor leagues. They've got Brett Beatty, who might honestly steal the starting spot at third base at some point this season from Eduardo Escobar. Um, like I could fixed, definitely see that. Yeah, he, he fixed his launch angle, which increases home run rate. He's a solid defender. Uh, he just needs to work on getting the ball, the barrel to the ball a bit more, and I think he could take the spot. He's going to be. He, I would be shocked if he's not on the opening day roster. And then we got Franco Alvarez who 60 future value player. That means he's going to be supposed to be good. He's supposed to be the catcher of the future for the Mets. Uh, he's probably going to start in AAA to get more consistent at bats and to work on his defense. Uh, apparently his batting practice is like a, it's a show. So watch the show. Um, and then, but he, he's really bad at making contact because he puts like all of him into the swing. So it's kind of an all or nothing. And I did like my own like projected slash line of what was described. And he's like a 230 batting average, 350 on base, 550 slug like 35 home runs and a 35% strikeout rate and below average defense, but he's got a good pop time. I, I think he has a lot of upside. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised that he didn't make that opening day roster. Not yet. Um, I mean, they haven't announced it yet. There's still time. Yeah. I think, I, I think he should make the opening day roster. He was not that good when he got called up, but that's a very small sample size. And as you mentioned, Brad, that's kind of what you're getting with him. A low contact guy with power. Um, And Brett Beatty, I mean, home run in the first at bat. I don't know if uh, the Mets 
run on, you know, bringing up young guys just because recently they've been signing, you know, established players instead of letting the young guys come up. But I think you have to give these two guys a chance. They're going to be good. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they try and move them if somebody's available at the deadline or something. Be a risky move. Um, like, I'd like to go back to their starting pitching for a moment. Like, honestly, it's projected to be very, very good. Like, Verlander's projected to have a 310 ERA over 179 innings. That's more innings than he threw last year. Scherzer's projected to throw 186, which would basically, like, if, if you get that, I could see the Mets winning the division. Just yeah. from those two. Absolutely, yeah. There is worry of once you get, say, one of those two gets hurt, who throws? Like, who who's pitching? They don't have much support in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they've got Sean Reed Foley, but I don't think that's who you want to come Their up and... top like, pitching prospect uh, is Blade Tidewell. I mean, they've got mm-hmm. David Peterson, the lefty. They've got Tyler McGill, whatever he may be. Uh, we haven't seen Joey Lucchese thrown forever. Like, those are all majorly competent guys, but I'm not sure that's who you want to throw out there. Maybe I would rather have David Peterson on the mound than Tyler McGill, in all honesty. Um, which brings yeah. me to their bullpen, which I feel like at least one, if not both of them, will take over Steven Nagosek and Eliezer Hernandez's spot. So I'm going to say McGill and the lefty in the bullpen. I just completely wiped on his name right before I said that. Sorry, David Peterson and Tyler McGill in the bullpen. And then obviously you got Edwin Diaz, you got Adam Adovino, you got David Robertson, Brooks Raley. That's a really good like high-end bullpen right there. I really like that. Drew Smith can be very good. He was a Tampa Bay Ray, so we're going to take that, of course. And John Curtis. Um, it, it's all very it's a pretty solid, well-rounded team. Like I, I find it hard to find a hole. I think, as Tom mentioned, their volatility and starting pitching is the the life or death of this team. Also, I think it's going to come down to that. Yeah, it's going to come down to the health. I because there's there's not much depth for, for starting pitching. I think relief is fine, and they actually rounded that out pretty nicely in the off season. But I think what the Mets are solely relying on right now is their starting pitching. Like I, I think I think I'm going to predict them based on a full season from these starting pitchers. And, and I feel like if you don't have the, the starting pitchers, they're not going to even be in that conversation for winning the division. You also have to take into account that Edwin Diaz is probably not going to have as good of a season as he did uh, last year. He's kind of that up and down year by year type of player. So I don't, you also have to take that into account when you're thinking about like this bullpen and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think that, but like, I feel like he, there's like, a, there was something different about him last year. Like it, it wasn't just like he, he was insane. Like him in 2020, also had a ridiculously high strikeout rate, but like he did it without walking as many people. And that that's a big difference maker in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, if you put side by side to his, I think his 2018 season was his best season, right? Other best season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost identical, if not better than his 2018 season. So something has clicked for him. I think it's hard to get consistency from relief pitchers, but I think, I think starting now, he seems to have figured something out. And I, we haven't seen his percentiles as high in his entire career. So I think something is working, and I think this is going to continue next year. Not maybe at the same level, but if he can get even 75 80% of what he's got last year, he's going to be still the best. Agreed. I think now it's time to get into our predictions. So I'll start off. Standings, I have them going first in the East. Um 
surprisingly. Um, I honestly, in my opinion, I was kind of surprised by it, but because the whole off season, I was talking about how I like the Braves better, but I have them going 102 and 60, um, one game better than they were last year. Um, MVP, honestly, I had a hard time picking one, but I went with uh, Francisco Lindor. He's only really gotten better in New York. Um, he was kind of shaky uh, in his first season. He was a lot better last season, and I can see him continuing that improvement to the next season. Cy Young, I give it to Justin Verlander. I wanted to give it to Max Scherzer, but Justin Verlander was a Cy Young last year. He's kind of the end-all, be-all um, as far as their ace. Um, it is 1A, 1B, but I, he is 1A. Um, breakout, I went with um, Kodai Sanga because um, he is uh, – yeah, he's a rookie, but he's kind of – he kind of has to have a quote-unquote breakout season in order um, – especially if the one and two go down, which that is my most important, is Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer's health. Stevs, you pretty much said everything I was going to say. I have them a little bit worse than last year at 98 and 64. Um, again, volatility. And I, I just don't think Jose Quintana is as good as a Taiwan Walker or a Chris Bassett. Like, I think there's a bit of a drop-off there. I think Ferlander and Scherzer, obviously, they're very, very good, but very, very old for baseball terms. Um, for MVP, I had Pete Alonso. I think he probably was their MVP last year. And I think just the, the biggest thump in almost the entire league, like he, he's just the home run. And he actually showed last year that he could hit for more than just home runs. And if he continues that, I think that's great value. I think there's also going to be the bit of incentive. He's playing for an extension, playing for that Steve Cohen cash uh, for Cy Young. I have Justin Verlander. Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue or not. It was either him or Kodai Sanger for me, in all honesty, just because Max Scherzer, I'm worried about the oblique. Like, it flared up multiple times, and he really just hasn't been consistently healthy since the Dodgers put him in in Game 5. Uh, and then for breakout, Kodai Sanger, uh, all honesty, I believe in Kodai Sanger. I believe in the ghost fork. And then I'm also, also most important is Verlander Scherzer health. You're going to make my pick seem so boring. I had the exact same thing. Okay, well... I had the projected record very, very high, uh, 103 and 59. I think higher than Brad, at least. Um, as high as be... both of us. Did I say mine? Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Okay. You had them going 98. Yeah. Um, team MVP, Pete Alonso. He's going to be the guy who produces the most runs on this team. Um, for most important players, I just listed the old men. Uh, pretty much that starting rotation, um, mainly being Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. Uh, for the Cy Young, I put Justin Verlander. He has been getting better every single season. I mean, we haven't seen a bad. Justin Verlander has been in Cy Young form since like 2017. I, I think since he got moved to the Astros, he has been in Cy Young form and he has never faltered, even after surgery. Uh, and then for breakout, there's no one else you can pick but Kaido Kodai Senga because there's no one else to break out on this team. Um, I mean, you can maybe argue Francisco Alvarez or Brett Beatty, but I think it has to be Kodai Senga. Agreed. Um, I mean, we're, we're pretty consensus on this in all honesty, the old men, the Cy Young, the breakout, the only thing we had different was an MVP. Um, we talked about this volatility of their pitching rotation. How much does that translate into their actual record? I think that is a direct correlation, especially, I mean, you also have to take into account the, their injury history with, um, like in, in their, in their actual lineup itself. Like they got Starling Marte. He was hurt, um, towards the end of last year. Daniel Vogelbach is a power threat, but doesn't really do anything past that. Eduardo Escobar has kind of fallen off a cliff. No, um, he hasn't. 
He's Stairs. not good. Yes, he is. He's, he's no, pretty he's good. He's like he's like the like the twelfth best. I am an Eduardo Escobar hater. Um, I think Brett Beatty will take over that uh position. Um, but again, like you also like it's definitely there's holes in this lineup. Um, but I I think. And then again, obviously, we're going back to the starting rotation. Uh, Justin Verlander, uh, Max Scherzer are both old. Jose Quintana, we don't know what version of Jose Quintana we will get. Carlos Carrasco has had some injury history, and then Kodai Senga, we don't know what he's going to be in 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 the MLB. So it's definitely a high volatility. It's a high floor. We said it. It's a high floor, low ceiling. I mean, you 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 talk about the Mets, and you know the whole thing about the Mets is that they do the Mets. They 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 choke. That's the volatility rating in itself. But you add on top of that the old men in the bull in the uh, starting rotation, and it's like this team has to have one of the highest volatilities in all of baseball. I think the volatility goes more up than it does down. No, I know it actually goes both ways because they could be very bad too. I think without a starting rotation, it's hard to be a very good team. Um, so if you're missing even one of the guys in this rotation, that the team is going to fail pretty, pretty, pretty significantly. Yeah. Yeah, I think. In all honesty, this might be the biggest range of any team I have. I said their floor was 90 and 72, but their ceiling was like 109 wins or something like that. That sounds just about right. Yeah, that, that's just about right. Because I think I think you can rely on the offense to uh, help for 90 games or 92 games. But uh, if you get everything clicking at once, you got the best bullpen in baseball, you got the best rotation in baseball, and you got the best lineup in baseball. That makes you the best team in baseball. So... I mean, yeah, that's what you get. So I think I think their volatility's <laughs> got to be up there in that top three conversation for volatility. All right. Any lasting thoughts on the New York Mets? I don't think so. All right. Thank you all for listening to another episode of our Profiles Projections and Predictions. We'll be back on Friday with the World Baseball Classic preview, and we'll be hopping right back into this with the Braves and the Cubs to kick off your week next week. If you want to interact with us at all, all social media links will be in the description down below. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace.